This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Thankful to worship this morning together. I don't want to leave this atmosphere, but I do want to enter into the Word, so if you'll have a seat with me for just a few minutes this morning. I'm thankful to get to be here with you today. I'm, I'm, I was planning to do this a couple of months ago, and then COVID decided that maybe that wasn't a good idea, and uh, unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to do, but I feel like the Lord had a plan. Amen. I believe that he had a plan. I believe that he needed this Word that he's given me to marinate in me a little bit longer. I believe that he needed to, to let this sit with me just a little bit more. And I believe that this is not just for me today, that it's for somebody else in this room. And I'm, I'm thankful that the Lord has brought us here together today to, to sit under his word. I, um, I was reminded this morning that whenever I'm preaching, the higher the heel, the shorter the sermon. So I unfortunately wore high heels, which means my feet might get sore, which means you might be in luck. This might not take a real long time this morning. Um, but I do want to share with you today, I'm, I'm thankful to be here. I'm thankful for the opportunity. A while back, not many of you may not know this, but a while back, Pastor Chris teased me with the idea of being titled the Outreach Pastor. And I kind of laughed at that, and, and I really just thought, okay, that just means I get to continue, like, you know, coordinating the fun stuff, like the big events, like a back-to-school bash and a block party and, you know, the pumpkin palooza and all of those fun things. And I, I just kind of took it like that. But the Lord has been working on my heart about outreach. And so I want to share a little bit about with you that I want to share that with you this morning. In reality, big outreach events are fantastic, and I love them. And if you know me, you know that that's my heart. I love the idea of be, being bringing people together and and having fun and showing that Christians can have fun together, and that and that we can do those things, and we can be the hands and feet of Jesus in ways other than just sharing the gospel all of the time. Not that that's not important. Please understand my heart today. I love that idea of reaching people and those things, but the Lord has been revealing to me that real outreach and real evangelism happens in small opportunities that we're given every day, that it doesn't always happen in big events, that it doesn't always happen when you have 600 people drive through here on a Wednesday to pick up food. It doesn't happen when you have 200 kids come to get some candy at an event or to get backpacks from these altars. That is outreach, yes, but that is not all the, that outreach is. Outreach is every opportunity that he gives us when we encounter somebody that needs to hear about the Jesus that we know. Every day. So, with that being said, the way that the Lord's challenging me, I want to challenge you today. I'm sure that there's nothing that I'm going to say this morning that is going to be brand new thoughts to you. I'll just get that out there. I'm sure that I'm not going to drop some incredible revelation on you, but I believe that I have a few things that the Lord needs to remind us of today. I believe that he wants to challenge us, that I always pray this prayer whenever I open the service. Excuse me. Worship was incredible. Hopefully my voice stays throughout the rest of this, this message. But um, I believe every time 
that I open a service, I pray a specific prayer that I, I hope that the Lord doesn't let us leave this place the same way that he comes in. And I want you to understand today that that's not a rehearsed prayer. That's not something that I've just stuck in there and I think it sounds good. That's what I believe. I believe that every time we meet in this building for corporate worship, every time we sing the praises of the Lord together, every time we sit under the direction of the word of the Lord being spoken to us, I believe that we should expect to leave differently than we came in this place. I believe that we should walk in here thinking, God, you're going to do something different in me today. So when I walk out, I can be a different person to the, to the people that I'm going to encounter this next week. I think that that's the purpose of this church, the purpose of meeting together in this church. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I want to pray that today just before we get started. I want to pray that no matter how long you've been in church, hear my heart today, no matter how long you've been in church, no matter how many times you've read your Bible through, no matter how many years you have walked in a relationship with Christ, let the Lord speak to you today. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here together today. Thank you, Lord, because you have a purpose for us sitting here this morning. Lord, thank you because it is not by chance that we came today. It is by design and it is by the perfect plan of, of God. Thank you, Lord, that you will do a work in us if we will allow you to do. Lord, I pray that those that can hear your word today through my voice, Lord, not for any of my glory, but for yours, may be changed. Lord, that we may be receive something from you today in a fresh in a new way, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would pour out upon us this morning, Lord, that as we leave this place, we would outreach better, Lord, we would evangelize better today, Lord, that we would make it our mission to be your disciples. In Jesus' name we pray in all of these things, amen, amen. I want to talk to you today about being poured out. We would all likely identify ourselves as disciples of Christ, I, I think, in this room as I look around. We have all likely been saved at some point. We have made the decision to follow Christ. And as disciples, we are called to more than attending church on Sunday. We are called to more than attending church on Wednesdays. We're even called to more than praying and reading our word, even though all of those things are incredibly important and are integral as part of your, as part of your relationship with Christ. But church, we are called to do more than that today. We have been charged with the Great Commission. And, and this is a huge thing in church, but sometimes as individuals, we forget about this. You see, this is the mission of the church, right? To reach people, to restore them to Christ, and then to release them back into ministry. But as individuals, we have been charged as disciples of Christ with the Great Commission. I want to look at the lives of Paul and Timothy this morning. Two disciples of Christ that took their responsibility, their personal responsibility for the Great Commission very seriously. They were focused on, um, excuse me, they were not focused on their well-being, their desires, their needs, their focus was entirely on whatever Jesus called them to do. And what did he call them to do? He called them to be genuinely concerned for the welfare of God's children. That as disciples of Christ, it is our responsibility to be genuinely concerned for the welfare of God's children. And who are God's children? Are they the people that look like us? Are they the people that talk like us and smell like us and dress like us and walk like us? No, they're everyone. <laughs> that as disciples of Christ, we are concerned with the welfare of all of God's children. Arguably, he's called us to do the very same thing. If he called Paul and Timothy to this, he's called us to this today. In Philippians 2 and 17, it says this, even Paul is writing. It says, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. This is how Paul lived his life as a drink offering being poured out 
on the offering of faith. This is not, if we read through the scripture the first time that Paul uses this phrase, being poured out as a drink offering. He also uses it again when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 6, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. It appears as we read through scripture that anytime Paul has Timothy, who he is training to be a disciple, anytime Paul has Timothy on his mind, he has this phrase. There's no telling that throughout their course of their communication and the course of Timothy's training, how many times Paul may have said this specifically to him, that we're being poured out as an offering. It appears that it, it may have happened several times. So what is a drink offering? <laughs> What is a drink offering? The first place that we see this offering mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis when God changes Jacob's name to Israel. However, we see it more prominently in animal sacrifices in the Old Testament. We're not going to read all of these passages, but you can find it in Exodus 29, Leviticus 23, Numbers 15, 1 through 10. So we won't read all these, but I want to paint this picture for you for just a minute if you'll bear with me. The picture I want you to have in your mind is an animal that is sitting on coals roasting, cooking, burning, and then picture taking a cup of wine and standing above the animal and pouring the wine over top of the animal. As soon as you do this, smoke shoots up, right, from this burning animal, and the aroma of the wine and the animal rises in this smoke. The picture that was created by this drink offering was to give a sense to lift up the smell of the sacrifice to the Lord. For him to smell that aroma, that he would smell it and he would be pleased. So the first idea behind this offering of, or behind this idea of a drink offering is to please the Lord. Is for it to be an aroma to please the Lord. We know also that Jesus made reference to being poured out in Matthew 26, 27 through 28. It says this, and he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We see this phrase being poured out. Paul, as he's writing this, is following in the footsteps of his Savior, for he was pouring himself out for many, and he's instructing Timothy to do the same. I want you to hear this today. Both of these men were Christ-centered. They were following in the footsteps of Christ, so therefore they were other-oriented. Because they were Christ-centered, it translated to them being other-oriented. They were willing to give up everything, including their own lives, so that others would know the wonderful treasure of knowing Jesus Christ. They were Christ-centered, so they were other-oriented. They lived their life poured out, constantly emptying themselves for the faith of others, to increase the faith of others. This is how we should feel about our calling as disciples. Are we willing to constantly empty ourselves as drink offerings to be poured out for the faith of others, to be pleasing to God? Church is about loving God and loving others. These are the two greatest commandments. Think about this for a second. Jesus says if we get in line with these two commands, everything else falls into place. That if we get in line with the two commandments, we, I'm sorry, excuse me, but we have to realize in order to get in line with those two commandments, we are not anywhere in that equation. I am not anywhere in that equation. It's to love God and love others. Listen to this scripture. Mark 12 through 29 says this, the most important one, speaking of the commandments, 
answered Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. The only time that I am mentioned in this scripture is whenever it's saying that I should love my neighbor as myself. Which in reality means that I should regard my neighbor as, an, as important or even more important, I would, I would argue, than myself. And there are so many other scriptures that point this out. We'll run through these quickly. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says, No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Galatians 5.14 says, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, to love your neighbor as yourself. Philippians 2 and 3, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value yourselves above others. Value others above yourselves. Excuse me. Don't let me get the words twisted there. John 3 and 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved, so must you love one another. There's evidence all throughout the scripture that it's important if we're disciples of Christ to regard others above ourself. That if we're going to pour ourselves out as an offering before the Lord, it should be one, pleasing to God, who we, who we love above all. And it should be two, for the benefit of those around us, not for our own benefit. Instead excuse me, by commanding us to love one another, you may argue with me on this, but by commanding us to love one another, Christ almost makes it impossible, impossible for us to fail. Think about this for a second. Who are we really good at taking care of most of the time? We're really good at taking care of ourselves. We want in our flesh what is best for us. And by making that the benchmark for how we should love others, he's shown us how to love our neighbor. He says, if it's good for you, it's good for your neighbor. If you want it for you, you should want it for your neighbor. If, if it's the desire of your heart for you, it should be the desire of your heart for your neighbor. Instead of being self-interested, we should be eagerly pouring ourselves out into the lives of others. We are called to be Christ-centered and other-oriented. And as we make ourselves Christ-centered, we become other-oriented. Okay? So now we know that we are poured out for two reasons. To be pleasing to God and for the benefit of those around us. Scripture tells us. But I would argue, and hear my heart today, I don't want anybody to receive this message more than I receive it today. Please understand that. If, if you leave with nothing else, I would argue, though, that we're not all in a place where we would be proud of the things that may be poured out of us this morning. I would argue that in any given moment, if we were going to be poured out, we would have had to have been very, very careful about what was being poured into us. You understand me today? That if we are going to be poured out as disciples of the Lord, to be pleasing to God and to benefit those around us, that we have to have a spiritual filter. That we have to have something in our lives that is keeping the things that don't need to be there out and is only allowing the things that God desires in us to come in. We have to have a spiritual filter. Now in 2020, we're going to have a little bit of fun here. When I say filters, some of you may think about this, right? An air filter, right? Okay, some of you may think about this coffee filter. Who didn't, who didn't have coffee this morning? Whenever, Come on. Coffee filters are important. Some of you may think about this. This isn't my personal favorite. Go ahead. Let's look through there. Filters, Snapchat, Instagram, whatever filters you want to call it. Look at that cutie. 
Some of you may think about these kind of filters. And given the fact that we're in the age of COVID, some of you probably think about this filter, right? Yeah, unfortunately, it is what it is. But I'm obviously not talking about any of these things. I'm talking about your spiritual filter. I'm talking about the heart filters, the things that flow out of you in your words and in your deeds this morning. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 7 and 1, Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates the body and the spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Purification is about getting the toxic things out. We have to get the toxic things out. And this scripture tells us that not only do we have to purify ourselves for contaminants in our body, but we also have to do that for the spirit. Have anybody ever seen anybody go through a detox from something in their body? It's a painful thing. Whether it's drugs or alcohol or sugar or caffeine, whatever the case may be, it can be a very difficult thing for you to detox contaminants from your body. I have gone through a, a detox from sugar. Um, I'd probably need to do so again, but I've, I've done that before, and it doesn't necessarily make me the nicest person when you're going through that process. It doesn't necessarily bring out all of the best parts of me when you're denying yourself something like that, but it is beneficial for the body. It is, it is essential for the body to function the way that it should. It is essential for us to detox it's important that we don't neglect detoxing the body, but we also can't overlook the spirit here. It's just, if not more, as important to detox the spirit. You know we can admit, and we could probably go around the room and name some things that get in our spirit and are toxic to us. Things that need to be pulled out. A good, clean filter helps to keep the bad toxins out, and we know Living in Oklahoma, we know, let's just talk about an air filter for a minute. We know what can happen if you don't clean your filter. If you've ever lived through an Oklahoma summer, you've all at this point in your life probably made it a priority to make sure that your air filters get cleaned out, changed out. Unfortunately, not all of us learn that lesson as easy as some people. So for some of us, it takes about a $550 electric bill and this to remind you that that's important. I don't know if you can see that there. That's kind of a funny picture. But that was our air conditioner. Now, we clean, clean out the filters in the house, but do you know you actually have to clean the outside too? Okay, well, if, I didn't know that. So pro tip, it's free if you didn't. <laughs> don't, don't, don't judge. But we understand that you have to change your car filter. You have to change the coffee filter before you make a new pot. We understand that a lot of these things to operate effectively, efficiently, require routine maintenance. You don't just do it once. Can you imagine if you changed out the coffee filter one time and you just kept making coffee through it every time? Even the purest, most fresh Colombian ground coffee, you could have it imported here the next day, is not going to taste good if you haven't cleaned your filter out in 47 days. It's just not going to work properly. Why does it make so much sense for us to understand that those things need routine maintenance, but we neglect the fact that our spirit needs routine maintenance, that we have to clean out our spiritual filters just as often, if not more. We have to consider routine maintenance. Sure, when we gave our life to Jesus at some point, we asked him to cleanse us of our sins. We asked him to remove the things that didn't belong. But what happens after we've been a Christian for a year? What happens after we've been a Christian for 30 years? Are we allowing him to constantly come in and remove the things and the thoughts that don't need to be there? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves today. 
Our hearts require routine maintenance to continue to be pleasing to the Lord. We require cleansing and purification. And even the best Christians, those that have walked the closest with the Lord, we're still human and we still make mistakes. And we still require, stand in need of a cleansing. So what is our spiritual filter today? What do we pass all of these things through to test whether or not they should be in our hearts? It's Philippians 4 and 8. It says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the things that you should be thinking about. Those are the things that you should be allowing into your spirit because whatever comes into you is what flows back out of you. And if you're not letting excellent and praiseworthy and admirable and noble things flow into you, they are not flowing back out of you. There is no magic or or mystery that happens in our hearts whatever is coming in is what is going out today and we know that if we are going to be poured out it needs to be pleasing to God and beneficial to others so the things that go into us need to be pleasing to God and beneficial to others we have to have our spiritual filter and I don't mean to step on toes this morning but if the Lord convicts here we go part of our problem as the church and I'm guilty of this as well, is that we think as long as we're allowing our spiritual filter to catch the big stuff, that we're okay. Hear me today, that as long as we can catch the big toxins or the big sins, that, that our spiritual filter is working properly. But if we don't allow drugs or drunkenness or idolatry or adultery or, adultery or bad language, That's fantastic. Our spiritual filter should be catching those things. But fellow Christians, there's a lot of other things that are not considered big sins that we have had a tendency to ignore, and we're allowing our filter to miss some of these things. We're allowing our filter to to miss selfishness or self-righteousness, patriotism, fear, worry, pride, gluttony, coveting, gossip, hatred, judgment, those are things that the Bible is just as clear about as any of the other big sins that we think of as Christians. But for some reason, we have allowed ourselves to let some of those things pass through our spiritual filter. And again, whatever comes in, if judgment comes in, judgment goes out. And if hatred comes in, hatred goes out. And if gossip comes in, then gossip goes out. We have to be careful of the things that we're allowing ourselves. We cannot ignore the things that the Bible has called us to not be a part of just because they have become somewhat comfortable for us or just become they just because they've come become somewhat acceptable around Christian communities that the Bible is very clear about this that all sin is sin let me say that again all sin is sin this morning and there's no amount of sin that's pleasing to the Lord so there's nothing that can come in that's at all sinful that can come out and be poured out and be pleasing to God The Bible tells us in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death and that sin separates us from God. Therefore, it affects what he can do in us. All sin is equal in that it divides us from God and there's no degree of separation. We are either with God and we are pleasing to him or we are a stranger to God and we are not pleasing to him. Colossians 1, 21, 22 says this, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of evil behavior, but he has now reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to the present, I'm sorry, through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Hear this, 
if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, that tells us there that yes, we are saved, and yes, the Lord has reconciled us to him through Christ, if we continue in our faith. And part of our faith is to have a spiritual filter. Part of our faith is to not allow sin back into our lives in any capacity. So if we want to be pleasing to him, we cannot be separate from him. We cannot justify any type of sin. We have to set ourselves apart. We have to guard our hearts. We have to use a spiritual filter in order to be poured out and pleasing to him. Having a spiritual filter helps you to be other-oriented. Church, hear me today. This is the resounding thought that the Lord has been dealing with me over the last couple of months, is that it is very important for me to be poured out and pleasing to God. And I think that we can all understand that easily. That doesn't take, it's not a stretch to get there. But it is equally as important that when we're poured out, we are showing the Jesus of the Bible to people around us. Our job as the, as the church is the Great Commission. The very reason for our existence is to reach people and to share the gospel to reach people and to share the gospel. When I read the Great Commission now, Matthew 28 and 19 says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. That is the mission of our church. Our mission... <laughs> Lord, help me today. <clears throat> that is the mission as, as this church as the church as a, as a whole. Although sometimes our mission as an American church, we're guilty of forgetting this. We forget sometimes that it's our, mis our mission to reach people and the gospel and make disciples of them. It is not our mission to make this church building or this church service all things to all people. Our mission is to reach people with the gospel and make disciples of Christ. That is our mission. We cannot combine the two of those things. That our church service, services should be about pleasing the Lord and helping to empower you through the Holy Spirit to go out and share the gospel. That is the desire. That is the purpose. And if I'm wrong, we can have a conversation about it later. But I believe that that is the purpose of gathering together here in this building. Is to empower us to please the Lord with our worship. And then to teach the word to empower us through the Holy Spirit to go out and share the gospel. Okay. Unfortunately, we have gotten into a rut. And it, I'm not just speaking about our church Hear, me, hear my heart today, but we've gotten into a rut of making church comfortable for the people sitting in the building instead of reaching the people outside of the building. Okay, our job as the church, coming from the outreach pastor, so understand my heart today, is not to make church comfortable for, for everyone in this building. Because fortunately, thank the Lord that nearly everybody sitting in this building, if Jesus were to return today, we're going to heaven. 
We're going with Jesus, but there are so many people outside of the four walls of this church that do not know Jesus yet, that do not know him yet, and it's our job to come into this building to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and walk out of this building so that we can reach those people, so that those people can hear about the Jesus that you know. If that's not what we're doing, then we are not fulfilling our calling to the Great Commission. If that's not what's happening in us, then we can't fulfill that. The problem is this. We have to be careful of what we're letting in so that when we walk out and we pour out to those people that don't know Jesus, they have to see the Jesus of the Bible. They can't see the Jesus that we've kind of muddled in our hearts. Okay, they have to see the Jesus of the Bible. We have to be careful of who we're showing them. Okay, There are two ways that we share Jesus with the things that we say and then the things that we do, both of which are significantly affected by our filter, by the condition of our heart. Follow me for a minute. As the Holy Spirit poisoned us, fills our hearts, we pour out into others. Scripture tells us this in Luke 6 and 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil things stored in his heart, for the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. If I understand this correctly, it means that whatever is in our hearts is going to be poured out. This is incredible, assuming that what in our hearts, what's in our hearts is pure and right and noble and excellent and admirable and praiseworthy. Unfortunately, if we're honest, if we're honest with ourselves today, it means that the Jesus that we're proclaiming might look a little different than the Jesus of the Bible. Are we pouring out Jesus with a little side of negativity? Are we pouring out Jesus with a little side of judgment or a little side of hypocrisy or a little side of gossip? What does the Jesus that you're showing people every day look like? How is that being poured out of you? Are we showing Jesus with a side of hate or with a side of complacency or with a side of indifference? Or even worse, are we pouring out negativity with a side of Jesus? Are we pouring out hate with a side of Jesus? What is your heart full of today? Please hear, hear my prayer that as our filters become so full of ourselves and our frustrations and our preferences and our flesh, that sometimes very little Jesus is being poured out of us at all. That sometimes people are seeing more of our sin than our Savior, or they're seeing more of our flesh than our Father. That we have to be careful of who is being seen whenever we are poured out in front of others. And here's the reality. The good news is that as an individual, when you pour out to somebody and they see, let's say they see a little judgment in you, okay, in the Jesus that you're portraying, we can get a pass as individuals, right? Sometimes, even if we're speaking to a non-Christian and they feel like, wow, they're, they're a little judgmental, even though the Bible's like, something about the Bible talks about not being judgmental, but I feel, I feel a little weird about this. As a non-Christian, we, they may give us a pass if they, see, if they sense that in us, because even non-Christians recognize that Christians are imperfect people, Okay, even non-Christians recognize that we as Christians can have a bad day. You know, we may say things every once in a while that aren't really reflective of the Jesus that we serve, right? Because we are imperfect. We live in a fallen world. People can give us a pass as individuals every once in a while. But what happens when a non-Christian or a visitor walks into a church building 
and encounter several people, all of whom are displaying a little bit of Jesus, but also a little bit of negativity or judgment or unfriendliness or self-righteousness, suddenly the church as a whole doesn't get the same amount of grace that we may get as an individual. Suddenly we may have just changed the image of the Jesus of the Bible that we know and we love and we serve in this person's mind and they're seeing the Jesus of our heart that might be filled with things that aren't really Jesus at all. What happens if that's the kind of Jesus that we're pouring out as a church in front of people. And as a church, we're just a collective body of us as individuals. So that means as individuals, we have a responsibility, whether we're in this building or we're not in this building, to make sure that the things that are being poured out of us are not of our flesh. The things that are coming out of us are of the spirit. And they have been filtered by what's pure and what's noble and what's excellent and what's praiseworthy and what's admirable. We have a responsibility if we're to be poured out as offerings to the Lord to benefit those around us. So that when we're poured out, people see Jesus in us. And this isn't to say that we have to be perfect, but it is to say that every day we wake up and we cleanse our filter. And every thought that we have, we run through our filter. Is this pure? Is this praiseworthy? Is this edifying? Is this lifting somebody up or will this tear somebody down? Is this thought holy? Is this thought something that Jesus would think? We have the opportunity, but we have to routinely maintenance our filter. We have to routinely check our heart and ask that the Holy Spirit would cleanse us and remove the things that are unholy and remove the things that are not reflective of who Jesus is because it's our responsibility to God and to others to proclaim Jesus through our words and our actions. It's our responsibility as a part of the Great Commission. It's our job. When we signed up to love Jesus and to serve Jesus, we signed up to reach people with the gospel. We didn't sign up to pass that, to pass that torch to somebody else and say, well, they're better with people. You know, they, they talk better. They, they engage with people better. No, we all have a personal responsibility to share Jesus. And even if it's not with your words all the time, it is always with your actions. What Jesus are people seeing in you today? When people walk into this church, what Jesus are people seeing when they sit down and when they're greeted and when they leave? What Jesus are we showing people today? We have a responsibility to others. Having a bad filter hinders the Jesus that we are proclaiming. Seth, if you'll come this morning, I want to ask you today, if you were poured out right now, as a drink offering to the Lord, what would it look like? Would your offering be pleasing as it rises to the nostrils of the Lord? Would the aroma be pleasing to him? Would it be beneficial to those around you? Are you Christ-centered today? Are we other-oriented? Have we resolved in our heart that people matter? that other people around us matter, and the way that we're sharing the gospel with them is important. And the things that we allow into our hearts are the things that we pour back out of our hearts to those people. We have an opportunity this morning and every morning that the Lord wakes us up to make this right. We have an opportunity every day to ask God to purify us, cleanse us, 
remove anything, Lord, unholy in me that is not representative of Jesus. God, take it away. If it doesn't look like Jesus, I don't want it. We have an opportunity to reset our filters so that the testimony that pours out of you in word and in deed bears witness to Christ. And it fulfills your responsibility in the Great Commission because it reaches people with the message of Christ and with his teachings. He's called us to be his disciples through the word and and through the word, excuse me, through the scripture. He's given us every tool that we need to do it. 